Lots of Classy with Esna. Today is a special episode for three reasons. One, as you can see, we are in a new studio. And uh, two, it is our 10th episode. We made it to 10. Bobby, yay! <laughs> we made it to 10. I was really worried, actually, that I wouldn't have guests every week like that. But Thank you to everyone that came out. And the third reason is today is actually my six-year anniversary debuting as a singer officially in Korea. Yay! <laughs> That's why if you've watched any of my other episodes, I don't look nothing like I look like today. <laughs> uh, so I thought I would take today's episode... Uh, to introduce myself to you guys as an artist and talk about how I became a singer, my life journey, and uh, sing a bit of some of my songs for you guys uh, and then force you guys to go listen to it on Spotify. Uh, uh, so yeah, where to begin? I guess from when I actually started doing music. Uh, I've, I've been singing since I was four and dancing and acting since I was four. Uh, I think as soon as I started speaking, my mom said that I sang. And anytime that a song would come out on the radio, as soon as it was done, she would find me humming it. So she knew that I had like a knack for music. Uh, and so middle school, I went to 32nd Street USC Magnet, which is a magnet for visual and performing arts. And actually Shia LaBeouf, went to that school. Yeah, uh, so in middle school I acted and danced more than I sang. Uh, at school we would do these plays and I was in um, Annie, the musical, and I was Pepper. I was the mean bitch. <laughs> and that was a very interesting experience for me because I was the only Asian person out of a whole, like all white cast. And uh, that was very interesting for me. So I grew up primarily with non-Koreans, which is where I get my personality from because my middle school was primarily black and Mexican people. So that's where I kind of get my attitude from, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and then uh, in high school, I went to LA County High School for the Arts, which was on Cal State LA campus. So we didn't have our own campus. We were basically using the same facilities as all the other college students. And LAXA, if you think the movie Step Up, I live that. So <laughs> we had academics from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., and then have lunch. 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., we had majors. So we would go to our respective major classes. So we had the dance department, visual arts department, theater department, and the music department, which broke off into classical and jazz. And that is where I sang jazz and heard jazz music for the first time. And if you listen to my music, I'm heavily influenced by jazz. So it all started in high school. You had to audition to get into the school. And the two songs that I sang, the two first jazz songs I ever sang in my life were... L-O-V-E and Orange Colored Sky. And I would listen to Natalie Cole sing that song. And Orange Colored Sky, I'll sing a little bit for you of Orange Colored Sky if I can remember the lyrics. 
I was walking along, minding my business, when out of an orange-colored sky, flash, bam, alakazam, wonderful you came by. I was humming a tune, drinking in sunshine, when out of that orange-colored view, flash, bam, alakazam, I gotta look at you. Yay! <laughs> oh my god, I haven't sung that song in like 20 years. That's bizarre. But that's literally the first, one of the first jazz songs I ever sang. Now, high school was such an interesting experience for me. I think I enjoyed high school the most in any of my school career. And the reason being is uh, Josh Groban actually graduated from my high school. He was a theater major at LAXA. And this was the period where he came out with the song, You Raise Me Up. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains, that song. And he came back to our school. I was also in the gospel choir. And he asked the gospel choir to be in his music video. And only a few of us got selected and lucky for me, I got you know, to be in the music video. And it was one of those first experiences where you're actually doing something professional, but you're underage. So then, you know, like everybody had to set up a trust fund. And so the parents can't touch the money. Like it was really cool. And uh, we went to go shoot the music video. We met with Josh Groban. And if you search the, the music video, You Raise Me Up, you definitely see like 16 year old Esna, like in dead center. And uh, because of that song, we got to do some really cool things. Like uh, he asked us to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And so if you look up, you raise me up. Ellen DeGeneres show with Josh Groban, you see little Esna back there, like super into the song. <laughs> and uh, we also did the Jay Leno Tonight show. We also did this like AOL bunker show, whatever. And the coolest thing was, uh, because normally the recording was done with like a full on black gospel choir, but then, you know, we have these like young high school students actually doing the shows. The, the, the voicing didn't match much. So they asked us to come and re-record part of that. We went to David Foster's house in Malibu and imagine like all these 16 year olds, like aspiring singers and like, you know, we're all so like ambitious and we're just sitting there like looking at David Foster, like, yo, you're sitting right in front of us. Like literally just where you're sitting, like he was sitting there and then he'd be like, yeah, like Whitney Houston stood there singing for me. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on right now? Uh, so we did that. And one of the last things that we did with Josh Groban was perform at some house, like celebrity house Christmas party. And the craziest thing was, remember I said the first jazz songs that I ever sung listening to was Natalie Cole. She literally was standing right here next to me and like we brushed shoulders and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is too cool. And even the crazier thing is Stevie Wonder was playing piano like an arm's length away from me. That was bizarre. That was one of the craziest things I've ever done in my life in terms of the American music industry, right? Uh, but that's my high school career. And then I was scouted to come to Korea when I was 16 years old and I was a sophomore in college. No, I was 14, 14. I was 14 and uh, I was a sophomore in high school and my mom had taken me to some audition and they had scouted me and was like, 
come to Korea so we can start training. And I was like, uh, I still need to graduate high school. And so I told them, let me see what I can do and see if I can graduate early. Because I had been taking like math classes above my grade and stuff since middle school. So it kind of worked out where I only had a couple classes junior year and a couple classes senior year. So I just did them all in one year and I graduated a year early. But within that time, I, I felt like I didn't want to move completely to another country, even though it's our, our motherland. I, I didn't want to throw all that away. And there was a part of me, I'm very old school in the sense that I really want to do things for our parents in this way, where I said, I need to graduate college for my parents. And so I turned that down and I had very little time to prepare to apply to college. And I was like, fuck, what do I do? Like no one was helping me with the application process because I was just super late. And so I just quickly applied to UCLA and I had no idea that the jazz department was not in the music department. It was in the ethnomusicology department, which still is so weird. Ethnomusicology is a study of world music. And so without knowing that, I applied for music, which automatically would make me sign up for the classical side. And they were like, prepare two classical songs. And I was like, well, I can't skip. Classical music is so hard. Like it, it is such a technical way of singing that I don't know what I'm doing, but I did it and I didn't get in. And I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? Like, I need to go to college. What am I going to do? And I was like, just kind of in this funk. And one of my friends who was also uh, in the jazz ensemble with me at Loxa, she was like, oh, Esther, because I was not Esna then. <laughs> uh, she was like, oh, Esther, you just need to go and reapply. I think you still have time to re-audition for the jazz department in the ethnomusicology department. I was like, okay, uh, thank you so much. And she was like, I'm auditioning this day. Let's match our times together and go audition for UCLA at the same time. So she drove me. We both went, auditioned. And, <clears throat> oh my God, am I going to cry again on my show? <laughs> um, so I got in. Uh, I am going to cry right now. Hold up. Oh, I didn't. Oh, it's. So I got in and she didn't. And because she didn't get in, um, <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> oh, I did my makeup too. Crap. Okay. Uh, she ended up moving to, or she was going to move to Sacramento with her boyfriend at the time, but they both got in a car accident and they passed away. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> And I, for a long time, I felt really guilty because she was the one that helped me find the right way to get into the school. And, and if it really wasn't for her, I don't think I would have gotten into UCLA. So if you're watching, Dara, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think that was one of the first times that I ever experienced um, like a friend passing away. Oh, and that was hard. And uh, her parents had asked the gospel choir to sing for her funeral. And I, I just remember I couldn't sing at all because I was like this the whole time. I was crying the whole time. Yeah. Anyway, so I got it to UCLA. <laughs> oh. Lord, I think I need that drink now. Yeah. Can we just bust out? 
I'm gonna go into my uh, not so classy bar. Um, can I get Can I get the Lagavulin that John Bar brought? I need some good whiskey right now, y'all. In the back. Yes, that one. Oh, oh man. I think I'm crying harder than I was when I when Liv came. Oh my god, this is. God damn it. Uh, no, and she was she was she was in the in the music video with us for Josh Groban, and she was in Ellen DeGeneres show with us too. So if you guys watch it, um, she's there with us. So anytime you know when I when I go back to that, I'm just like, oh, we had this great experience together, and yeah. Uh, All right, cheers, Jess. My friend Jess is here for moral support. Clearly, also as a drinking buddy. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's good. <sighs> Let me just collect myself. <clears throat> All right, so where am I? UCLA. I go to UCLA, and UCLA is an awesome experience. And the only thing I kind of regret about that is that I didn't, I didn't take advantage of everything that was uh, available to me. Is my makeup all fucked up? Yeah, okay. Okay. Whew. Oh my God. Just <laughs> 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 <sighs> 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 I must look so, I, I probably so ugly when I cry. No, but don't touch that part because that's your glitter. Okay. I feel like it's going in my, okay. Digressing. Okay. We're back. Okay. <sighs> yeah, this is why I don't wear makeup because <laughs> I can't hold it together. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I go to college and uh, this is where I, uh, my first experiences of starting to write music begin to happen. I didn't know that writing music was a thing. And I thought all singers just wrote music, which is not the case for those of you guys who don't know. Not all singers are songwriters and not all singers write their own music. That's why there are singer-songwriters and songwriters who write for other artists. Uh, but in college, I danced <laughs> a lot more than I sang to the point where my mom was like, why are you going to school for music when, why are you dancing? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but it's going to come handy to me later. You know, who knows? Um, and so I was on a dance team called NSU Modern, which I believe still exists at UCLA. And it was a collegiate competitive dance team. And you think about all those people that are super famous now, like, uh, like Kaba Modern, Mike Song, or Sean Evaristo, or Twitch, like all those people, Kyle Hanagami, like we all started at the same, we were all at the same dance competitions. And, you know, it, it just is amazing to see where I am as an artist and then where they are as choreographers, these like world renowned choreographers, like Twitch being like on Ellen DeGeneres show and all that. Like, it's crazy to see how far everyone has come. Uh, so yeah, UCLA was also the place where I found, I met my first love. Uh, my roommate, Laura, so I say every time we think about this, we say our, our uh, dorm room was the minority room because there were three of us. It was me, a Korean, 
a Filipino girl and a black girl. So they literally just put like all the minorities in one room. Uh, and I, I remember we would just make fun of that all the time. But Laura was one, the one that actually got me to be a little bit more, um, I guess, social. And she was like, oh, we need to go out. It's the first week of school. We need to go out and make friends and go to all these like social events. And I was like, I don't really plan on being a part of anything. Like, I don't want to be a part of a sorority. Like, I just didn't want to be a part of any of that. I'm sorry, this glitter stuck in my eye. So I keep poking at my eye. I'm like, <laughs> this is probably still unattractive. Uh, okay. And uh, because she wanted to be a little sis for a frat, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, I followed her to like the first week's uh, social events. And that's where I met my first boyfriend, my first and only boyfriend. <laughs> Uh, because his best friend wanted to join that frat. And he was like, dude, you're my best friend. Let's just do it together. And so we all, he got dragged to the events and I got dragged to the events. And we both, you know, ended up going to all these events. And that's where we first met. And I think that's where like my thing for half halfies began. Because I like till this day, I'm only really attracted to hapas, which are half Asian and half something else. <laughs> so, uh, he was half Japanese and half white. And he, you know, we dated for three and a half years. My first love. That's, that's a very long time for a first love to last. Uh, yeah, for me too. Yeah, you know, and then, so everyone keeps saying that was a good and bad thing because it's great that your first love was such a great experience but kind of bad because now your standard is like way up here. And so for the last like 20 years of my life, I have not dated like seriously. Right. I've had, you know, I've had sums here and there and whatever, but like a, a real relationship where I was like committed to someone. I didn't have that for the last, however many years of my life since then. So, you know, when we broke up, it was a very difficult thing for me to process because we didn't break up because we stopped loving each other. He was my first love. So I was able to say, I love you, you know, uh, but it was circumstantial. Like he was moving to Japan for work. And, you know, I, at that time, wasn't sure where I was going to be. And, you know, he had a career path that was so set and I would, I knew that I was going to be in entertainment and I, it's a very up and down, you know, career. You could be working like hundred hours and make like nothing. Whereas whatever he was doing, you know, it was cause and effect. You work this many hours, you get paid. And so that also shows what kind of personality I think you have. Right. And I don't think we would have understood each other's lifestyle, I guess, in a sense. And, you know, so we, we just kind of naturally had to let each other go. And so, because it wasn't because I was like, Oh, I hate you. I'm going to get over you. It literally took me about three years to completely get over him. It took me a long time. And I wrote my first song about him called You Fool. And you can see like 20, 20 year old, no, 19, 20 year old Esna singing this song on YouTube. If you search for it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great song, but <laughs> I look so weird. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Huh? Do you know if you listen to it? Do I know if I listen to it? Do you listen to it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, after we broke up, like we stopped being Facebook friends and, but the, yeah, so it's, it's like, I keep having to go back to that place because that's where I 
get all my emotions from in order to write a song, right? You understand that as a songwriter, when something happens to you, some people can just get over it because whatever, I don't ever have to think about it again. But as a songwriter and as a singer and as any person that has to drive from like real experience, you keep having to go back to that place. So it takes you that much longer to get over a certain experience or happening that happens in your life. And that's why it took me forever to get over this guy. Uh, And so... The first song that I debuted with in Korea, August 14th, 2014, exactly six years ago, is a song called I, I Love You. And the reason why it's spelled out that way is because I stuttered when I said it the first time. I was like, I, I love you. Because <laughs> uh, he said it to me first, but I was... I, I told him I wanted to really mean it when I said it and I don't want to be confused and, and the the weight of that word is still, you know, is, is so serious to me. Even to this day, I don't just easily tell people that I love them, even though I've known them for a long time. Like, unless there's something really that clicks, like I don't just haphazardly say, oh, I love you. I love you. Like, you know, because a lot of people just kind of throw that word around. Same thing with I hate you. <laughs> it's such a loaded word. Um so yeah, I distinctly remember the the feeling that I had of when I first said, I love you to him. So I wrote a song about it and I guess I'll sing a little bit. <laughs> oh my God, my throat is all like groggy because I cried earlier. We're going to grease my throat with some whiskey. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but uh, let's see how far I can go before I cut it off. (laughs) Yes, you can come in I've opened my heart to you Breaking me every way that you can You're just so dangerously fun I can't help but give in to you You give me more Than I could ever ask for No one could ever Love me like the way that you do After all this time, I can finally say what you've been yearning to hear. I love you. I love you. I love you. You. Sing it to hear. <laughs> I was just cut off the music. <laughs> oh my god! I haven't sung this whole year. Like this is the first time that I'm a uh, publicly singing <laughs> this whole year because everything got canceled because of the world situation. So um, that felt really weird singing. <laughs> oh man, that was weird. Okay, so yeah, that is a. Uh, about the first time that you ever tell someone 
I love you and the feeling and, and all the emotions that kind of in, envelop that moment. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't sung that song in so long. My God. Okay. Uh, moving along, I guess I'll just go on to another song that I wrote about him. <laughs> it sucked for a while because the only love experience that I would have to write about is literally about him, you know? And, and the thing about being a singer or a songwriter is you don't really get permission from the other person <laughs> to see if you can write about this, you know, because ultimately it is my experience. But at the same time, it's like, you're kind of, you're kind of talking about them too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, if you're out there listening somewhere, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. And basically this, this, uh, next song that I'll briefly sing for you, uh, is a song called Me Today. And it is the title song off of my first mini album that I had released. I believe it was in 2016. I can't remember. Uh, but it's, it's basically a song thanking him because if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for the love that we were able to experience together, I wouldn't have been able to be the person that I am as a singer or a songwriter because without those experiences... I wouldn't be where I am today. And so it's a song basically thanking him. And every time I released an album, uh, I made sure to write songs in Korean and in English so that I could be able to reach, you know, a wider audience. And just in case <laughs> he listens, <laughs> he can understand, you know, what I'm talking about. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll sing a little bit. <clears throat> of me today. <sighs> Let me drink a little more whiskey. <laughs> mm. All right. <sighs> oh, man. <clears throat> <laughs> To this song, I hope you're proud of me. I hope you really are. If you're listening to this song, I hope that you won't cry. Sit smiling your heart. Hope that's where you kept me in the first love special place. Because it's you. Because of you. I was able to write my first love song Able to write my first heartbreak Able to miss someone so much My tears would just speak on my behalf Because of you I became who I am today I'm gonna stop it there <laughs> I don't know why I'm so shy about singing <clears throat> Because it's so raw <laughs> <laughs> it's so raw right now. <sighs> okay, I'm going to get through a whole song. I promise you, just, just keep watching. <sighs> okay, so that is a song about uh, me thanking my first love for helping me become who I am today as, as a person and also as a singer and a songwriter because without him, I wouldn't have any experience to write about. Uh, and in the same album... 
there is a song called Oppa Pogo Shipoyo. Oppa, I miss you. And uh, that song is in Korean, but it's a very detailed song about how I would just randomly miss him. Not because like I want to be with him or anything, but just I just would randomly miss him and wonder how he's doing. And the, that experience was, I was on Facebook. And because even though him and I are not friends, we still have a lot of mutual friends. And at that time I was still friends with his best friend who ended up being his best man, you know? And so I, you know, once you've just fallen into that rabbit hole of just like randomly scrolling, you just keep just, you go to this person's profile and that person's profile. And so I landed on the friend's profile and his cover photo was of him as a groom and all his groomsmen. And I was like, oh, he got married. <laughs> that was, and so that was, that was a very weird feeling that I had. Um, and the crazier thing is that my third year here in Korea, I've been here for 11 years. The first three years of me living in Korea were horrendous. I hated being here. Uh, I had moved here on a gut feeling just to pursue my career as a singer, which was bizarre because when I was in high school, I was like, I never want to be in the Korean music industry, but look where life led me. <laughs> uh, so it, I, it was horrible. Like I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. I didn't know a single person in the entertainment industry here. Uh, I was moving from friend's place to friend's place like every two months or so. I did not unpack my bags for a whole year. Like I was literally just using things out of my suitcase because I had nowhere to unpack my things. And by the third year, you know, I had been struggling, struggling, doing all my stuff. And then I was like, dude, what am I doing here? I think I should just go back and just start all over, go back, maybe do my YouTube thing again. Because I started off on YouTube in 2009. I was one of the first like group of people that did music on YouTube and I was doing really well. And then I just randomly left it all behind and moved to Korea. So everybody called me crazy. So three years in, I'm like, yo, I gotta go. And so I pulled out of my place, went back to living with my friend for a couple of weeks. And I was like, I got, I just, I think I gotta go. And that friend was like, you're crazy. You still have so much to do here. You know, it really takes only that one person that to really believe in you to keep you going. And she was like, let's meet with my producer one last time before you decide to pack up and go back to America, which I was already basically packed. I just got, <laughs> had to buy a ticket and leave. <laughs> and so she was like, let's just meet with him. And I was like, okay. So we met. His name is Kim Do-hun, Do-hun Kim, who is basically one of the top producers still in Korea. And I met with him and I was like, this time, because I met with him a year before, like it wasn't the, the right timing then, it wasn't destiny then. So I met with him again. And if last year I had shown him just some of my music where I was like, oh, I can let him listen to just stuff like this because I was trying to protect like the best work for myself. This time I met him and I was like, Yo, just listen to everything that I have, like phone, voice note recordings, half-assed recorded shit. Just listen to it all. Like this is my last time that I'm going to try becoming a singer here. And he listened to them and he was like, he listened to one of the songs that has not been released to this yet, day yet because I'm still waiting for the right timing, which I wrote 10 years ago. Uh, he was like, can I have the song for this girl group that I'm producing 
they're going to debut pretty soon. We just need to find the right song. And I was like, nah, this is, I want to sing this song. This is for me. And I'm, I'm going to save this song. Like you can have any other songs that you want. And so then he was like, okay, I understand. Uh, and then there was a, a song that I had recorded on my phone, like playing the guitar. I can play it for you. Do you have, is it in tune? It's not in tune. Okay, never mind. Uh, and so he listened to that and he was like, can we have, can we have this song? And I was like, oh. and you know, it's like the, the decisions that you make in a split second that kind of decides whether or not your career or your life goes this way or that way. And I really wanted to sing that song um, because I want to sing all the songs that I write. You know, I'm a, I'm a singer too. That's why I'm not just a songwriter or a producer and I want to sing the songs that I write. Uh, but in that moment, I understood that so, some sacrifices need to be made. And so I was like, all right, you can have the song. And he showed me in action right away that he, he meant what he meant. And so he called, you know, uh, the or the director, art creative director, and was like, I'm, I'm going to send you the song, have the girl start rehearsing it, and uh, we're going to start production on the song right away. I was like, oh, he like made that phone call as soon as I gave him the song. I was like, okay, this guy is, I can trust him. Uh, and so that song is Hengbokazima, Don't Be Happy, the first song that ever revealed who Mamamoo was. And it featured Bumkey. And so it's basically the debut song of Mamamoo. And I still remember the first time I met those girls. <laughs> it was so awkward because he was like, this is Esna and she's going to, she's signed with our company and, you know, you guys get along. <laughs> we just like the four of them sat or three of them because one of them, you know, was sick or something. I remember there's only, oh shit. There's only like three of them sitting in front of me and we're just like, hello. <laughs> you know? like, uh, so that awkward meeting and, and the song happened right away and uh, only Huyin and Sola sang those songs. And at the end of the clip, they introduced Moonbyeol and Hwasa at the end a little bit with like a different teaser. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically how my career officially, I guess, started in Korea by meeting Kim Dong-hun, producer, and then, you know, Mama Moo before they even debuted. And yeah, the rest is, you know, searchable. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah, so that's how I ended up debuting as an artist with I, I Love You in 2014. And then continued to release a few more singles and my first mini album after that. And there's a song called A Little Lovin', which I will sing for you a little bit. Uh it's a song that a lot of people cover. Yeah. And you, you have to understand as a singer, when you find other people covering your songs, it's such an honor, right? Like it's, oh wow. Like they like that song so much that they want to, they want to like sing it and post it up on YouTube and stuff. And so that's a very, anytime someone posts a cover and like I get tagged in it and I watch it, I'm like, that's so sweet of you guys. Uh, but yeah, this is the most covered song of any of the songs that I have released. Uh, so I'll sing a little bit for you guys right now. There's also an English and Korean version of the song too, but I'm going to sing it in Korean for you guys. What's 
can listen to on Spotify <laughs> or Apple Music. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's one of the songs that a lot of people have covered and I really felt honored by that. And I'm gonna take another sip of my whiskey. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Did I inadvertently just sing the wedding march? <laughs> oh, was I like foreshadowing some life events. I don't know. All right, that's a little inside joke that just and I have going on. Uh, all right, where am I? What was I saying? I was talking about how I debuted and I released all this music, right? All right. Among those, one of the most loved songs uh, is a song that I actually collaborated with Mamamoo called Ahu. But it's also one of the most... <laughs> painful memories I have in the music industry. And I never, I never really had a chance to talk about that song and all the shit that went on and the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, but I guess I'll talk about it a little bit now. So basically I wrote this song because an A&R had given me a track and was like, this song is for Ihai. This track is for Ihai, or we're trying to pitch it. Uh, and I was like, okay, let me take a stab at it. And so people who write the melody line over a track that is given to you are called top liners. So I was top lining on this track. So I wrote it and the track was, oh, it was something that I would want to sing, you know, and I was grooving and I wrote and I wrote this sick ass melody, like amazing lyrics. And I was like, fuck, I can't believe I wrote a song like that. <laughs> um, 
And then, you know, I was signed to the company, so I, I had to get permission and I, I showed it to my producer and I was like, this is what I, I wrote. And they were like, don't give this song to anyone. This has you written all over it. This is you. This is your style. This is, this is all you. If you give that away, you're basically giving away your identity as a singer. And I was like, oh, that's not good. So I told the A&R, uh, I can't give you the top line. Like I, I can try writing another one, but I can't give you the one that I have right now. And so what ended up happening is Ihai didn't even use the track at all. And so I was informed that they weren't going to use it. And so then maybe like a year later, I contacted that A&R again and I said, can we buy that track from you? So that, because the, the melody, I mean, we can always make a new track to the melody that I have, but it was just such a perfect match with that track. And, and basically he said, oh, the writer doesn't want to sell it, you know? And I was like, okay, well... I don't know what I'm going to do with this melody then because I have to get it out, but I don't know what to do. And so I talked to my producer and I said, why don't we just save this and rearrange it, reproduce, you know, a track for it. And it'll be my debut song for TV, for TV broadcast. So I had officially debuted, you know, so I'm a singer, but my official like debut on, you know, the the, the weekend shows that we have in Korea, which is basically how singers promote their music. So every day of the week, there is a music program where idols will go on the show and promote the songs that they're, they just released. And so this song was supposed to be that song for me. We had kept it safe for like two years. And I still remember I was taking a nap at home. And all of a sudden the producer calls me and is like, hey, I got an idea how about you collaborate that song with Mamamoo? And my initial reaction was like, well, no, this is, this is my song. Like I'm supposed to debut on TV with this song. And so initially I was like, oh, I mean, you're like an amazing writer. I'm a writer. Like, why can't we just write a new song that we can both sing? And he was like, no, like, I think we should do this song. And, and it, I, I kind of got cornered into it because he was like, I was like, what if I don't want to do it? And he's like, well, then we're going to just have to think about how other ways that we're going to have to promote you. And it had been a while since I released my last album. And I was like so hungry to just get something out. And Mamamoo was like slowly on the incline. They, had, they hadn't gotten to a point where they were like, full-blown stars yet but they were well on their way you know because they were packaged really well and you know they all have immense talent and I knew they were going to make it so I was like okay again let me just put myself aside and let's just let's do this because it's it's still me doing the music like we're still doing it together but man that whole process was so stressful because the song I'm supposed to sing by myself. Now I have to, I have to divvy the part for all five of us, you know? And, you know, they, they're strong characters too. They got, they got personalities. And so they would want to be like, I want to sing this part and I want to sing that part. And like, just, it would every time, like it would just tear me apart oh, because the, I was supposed to sing the song, you know? Uh, but in the end, it got done. And the torture of it all was also, I had to make them sound good because I directed them in the studio from beginning to end. Uh, did all the, the background vocals for it and all that. And, like, and so it was very stressful for me. And now we're getting ready to be on TV. And these girls are like, you know, very skinny, typical idol looking girls. And like, here I am, like this thick girl, you know, and like we get compared, you know, and, you know, the way that they wanted to package us was I'm this like 
musician. And so he had me in like a white suit and like they had like these funky outfits. And so I don't care how old you are, you in a suit, you're going to look older. You know what I mean? And so visually I looked older than them. And the, the, the craziest thing was I was told that I had to hit a certain number if I wanted to go on TV and promote that song. And this was like a few days before we started on Thursday, which is M Countdown. And so I was like, I mean, this goes against everything that I stand for, but if this is what I need to do, like I need to hit the number to promote my own song, fuck, then I got to do it. And so I, I remember like not eating for a few days. Uh, and then the day before I had to weigh in, didn't drink water. And I took a laxative the day before so that I just like shat everything out. <laughs> um, and luckily I hit that number, but obviously as soon as I ate something, like it like shot back up. Cause literally you're just losing water weight. Right. But anyway, so I did that and, it, and come the day the music gets released and it is our first day of promotions. We're all in our van heading towards M countdown and the song gets released and I check, everyone checks, we check. And my name's not on there. It just says Mama Moo on there. And look, already, you know, this whole process about this song was very stressful for me. But then seeing that, like it just, my insides got cold. Cause I was just like, why isn't my name on there? Because that's not a, I don't know who made the mistake, but I'm, I'm betting the company made the mistake when they passed over the, all the information, you know, or maybe it was distributors, you know, mistake for leaving out my name. I don't know what the fuck the reason was, whatever it was, it was wrong, you know? And then I remember I texted my producer and I was like, my name's not on there. And he was like, oh, we'll fix it right away. We're, we're on, we're on it. We're fixing it right away. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. So we go get to the green room. And usually when you get to the green room, all the artist names are on whatever room you're using or whatever stall you're using, right? I get there, only Mamamoo's name is on there. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I thought this is supposed to be a collaboration. Okay. It's not even a featuring. That's a, that's different. It's a collaboration and it's my fucking song. Why is my name not on the fucking dressing room? And so all these tiny little things are starting to just like eat away at me on the first day of fucking promotions. And I am in such a horrible mood and if you see any of the footage of like me and Mama Moo backstage, like whatever, like I'm, I'm just trying really hard to put on a smile um, because again, everything is just geared towards them. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Like, what am I, what am I doing here? You know? And I didn't like how my outfit fit, whatever. And like, so we do, we do the, the show and I believe right away when the show was done, we went back to the office to keep practicing. And then I get called in by the producer and he sits me down and he's like, we read all of the comments that people have been leaving on the videos and all that. And, you know, they're not very good about you. And I was like, what are they saying? They're like, oh, they're saying you look old you know, and they're saying that, uh, they're just attacking you like image wise or whatever. They're just, they're just negative comments about you. And I said, 
I don't care about the image ones. That's not, you know, if you don't like the way I look, then I don't give a fuck what you think, you know? But if you're saying things about my music, then I'll take offense to it. And there were comments like, why does Esna have such a big part in the song? Mamamoo can do this song without Esna. Why is she even there? Um, and just, you know, more and more of that kind of comments. And I was like, that's, that's what really hurt me. And so in the end, when he sat me down, he said, I think it's best if we stop you from going out on the rest of the TV promotions and just have Mamamoo do the rest of the, the... And it was only a two-week promotion. And I just remember, again, <laughs> you guys might not believe me, but I really don't cry a lot. But like, no. I, just, I, I, you know, it was one of those like silent, just like, <laughs> you know, because like, I was speechless. Um, and I was like, I don't think it's the right move. I don't care what the ticker or the comments say. You, the company should stand by your artist. Because if you take me off, you're basically agreeing with those fuckers out there that are saying your artist looks like shit. Your artist looks old. Your artist shouldn't be a part of this song. You're basically agreeing with them. And they were like, it's our final decision. And we're just going to have mama promote the rest of it. And so I, with that information in mind, I still had two more shows, right? So I had Friday and Saturday and I go and I, I do it. And after every show is over, the, the, the singers, you know, wait and, and in front of the PD Neem's office, the TV producer's office to go and like say, thank you for having us on the show. And like, how do we go? But when we went to those to, to go inza to the PD names, he wouldn't introduce me. He would only introduce Mamamoo. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what am I doing right now? <laughs> you know, like just little things like that kept eating away with, at me. And then, and this is after the fact that I heard I only have two shows left out of a two week promotion. Uh, and it just, it really boiled me so much that I just, I didn't, I was just so like, all right, let me just get through the motion and do this. And the crazier thing is the people at the TV stations, you know, are, are told ahead of time who is going to be on the show and then they do the set design, right? And so they were, they basically told me like sat on Saturday, today's going to be your last one. And I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. And so I'm thinking, what are they going to do about the set? If they have to like change it super fast, you know? Uh, and then so I monitored Sunday, Inkigayo, and they were like, because this is literally what they said. They said, Inkigayo has the most viewers out of all of the shows. So we're going to have you stop on Saturday on Music Core before Sunday. <laughs> That's literally what they told me. So then I watched the show, but the set design only says Mamamoo on it. And I'm like, you, had, you, you guys fixed that set design that quick, like in a day? It, it just didn't make any sense. I may be wrong. I may be completely wrong, but it just didn't make any sense that a whole set design changed only for them if they had been informed that I would be on that stage with them. So it was just, it was very, the song was very, it's a painful song. It's, I love this song, but it's a painful song. Uh, and so I was like, I can't just 
not respond to any of this. This is stupid. Like I, I can't have people chip away, especially I felt like it was my company that was not having my back. And, uh, so then I made, I guess a diss track or I, you know, made a remake of a hoop and I wrote a song called a shit and I posted that on YouTube and there's not one person there's like a lot of comments on there. They're not one person say bad thing to me. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was the first time in Korea that an artist put the netizens in their place and was like, shut the fuck up. What do you know? And this is the first time that I'm going really in depth with this song. I feel like a lot of people are going to have a lot of things to say. <laughs> so I'm a little worried about it, but you know, it's the truth. What can you do? You know, and now, now a lot of people will know the truth about this song. And so then when I made my mini album, uh, the song with me today as a title, I, I told my, my producer, I was like, I need to do a solo version of this song by myself on my album. I need it. I need it. And he was like, why? Like, why? You know, I was like, just, I need it. <laughs> so it's there just the Esna version it says in, in parentheses uh, it's there and uh, yeah it was just so weird like you know if okay fine don't put me on the TV shows but they they promoted did a lot of events which they were getting paid for singing the song I'm like if did radio shows things like that I'm like I should have been a part of all the rest of the schedule if not if not the TV stuff because you think I'm you know, ruined. Because honestly, I think they were more worried about Mamamoo's image being hurt than me, which is why they took me. Like that's, yeah, it's, I, till this day, that's kind of what I believe. Um, and that's what I felt. And ever since then is when the relationship between me and my company started getting a little weird and I didn't feel as at home with that company. And, you know, which is why I actually ended my contract early and left before it was over but we both agreed you know they were like oh I think we should let you go and I was like yeah I think I should leave <laughs> like we just I don't think anyone has ever also left their company and their contract as easily as I did uh so yeah that that was a very difficult time for me uh but jumping back about a year before that is when I had the highest moment as a songwriter in Korea. And that was when I wrote a song called Sum with Soyu and Jonggi-go. And it made history in Korea for staying number one on the charts for five weeks straight. Everyone that was involved with the song were like, what? Because people were like, oh, they're messing with the charts, you know? And like, they're, they're buying their own albums and stuff. And we're like, we're really not. Like we're so dumbfounded because at the time, nobody knew who the fuck Jonggi-go was. He was still an underground artist. And Soyu was, you know, in Sistar, but Soyu wasn't actually like the most, you know, he, she had done other tracks, but they weren't like crazy blowout artists yet. And so when we were doing, when we were working on the song, we weren't expecting that song to blow up the way it did, let alone, you know, be like making history in Korea. And so... I was really dumbfounded when uh, that song did so well. It was the second song, no, the third song 
that I ever wrote in Korea that hit number one on the charts. The first song was a song called Special Love by Huisong and Komi. And that was a crazy honor because it, when anyone ever asked me, who do you think is like a singer that you would look up to in Korea? I would always say Komi. And, and then I get to fucking write a song for her. And it wasn't, I didn't meet her as uh, Sambe and Hube which is a senior and like junior in the music industry. I met her as a singer and a songwriter. So that dynamic was also very different. Um, yeah. And so that was the first song that ever hit number one on the charts. And I just keep remembering going back on the, on the, the music sites thinking, oh my God, like, is it really number one? And then checking to see if my name was on the credit, like, oh my God, is this really happening? Like just rechecking and rechecking. Uh, and then uh, the second song that hit number one, was Kyondilmane Without You by Mad Clown featuring Hyorin of Sistar. And uh, I remember them saying like, oh, we really want like a Rihanna-esque top line for this. And uh, we think you'd be a good, good person to write it. And so I, I wrote that. And then I wrote the lyrics in English first as for the demo. And then, uh, yeah, so Mad Clown and I actually were supposed to promote the song on on tv together but there was a really bad incident that happened in korea where everything halted uh like the music programs any kind of tv or any kind of entertainment stuff everything halted because it was such a tragic event that happened in korea and so we couldn't promote that uh but that hit number one so that was the second song and then the third song is some so you and jungigo and that made history and that uh Help me pay off my debt. <laughs> so yeah, cheers to that. Yeah, so that song is a is. I'm very thankful to that song. And then uh, I actually released it in English. Reproduced it, made it a more ballad R and B feel. And I think I'm gonna sing that for you guys in English. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's sing it. Uh, are we are we okay on time? <laughs> I feel like people are getting bored by just watching me today. Usually I have guests, but I'm my own guest today. All right, so here is some. Very sometimes I get tired of listening to you Don't mean that I don't enjoy spending time with you Maybe I'm the one who's being weird I've been thinking about this for a while I have I can be all alone watching reruns at home but I seem to be waiting for you, just for you Can't sleep, cause I'm thinking of your face Waiting for the phone to ring just once tonight Don't say we're just friends and try to hold my hand And kiss me like I'm yours It ain't nothing but it could be something if we try Hold on, I'm gonna keep going. (laughs) 
아, 한국말 부를게요. 연인 아닌 연인 같은 넌 나만 볼때 애매하게 날 대하는 너 때로 친구가 다는 말이 어 사실 요즘 난 듣기 싫어졌어. Silences are because I'm taking sips of my Lagavulin that John Park brought. Oh, it's hot in here. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I hope you who are listening and watching have learned a little bit more about who I am as an artist and how things got started and and uh, where I am now. Because I felt like maybe some of the newer fans of the show or listeners of the show, you know, might just think of me as a as a show host, which I am. That's part of my job. I do a lot of emceeing here and there, uh, but I I haven't sung all year long until now. So I I wanted to do it for you guys, uh, so you know who I am as Esna, the singer and producer. And songwriter. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am. I feel like this is a good, good place to end the show. No. I mean, I think I've. I. I think I've. I've dished out. Yeah, I, I've dished out a lot about myself and my career. So, if you guys want more, if you guys want more Esna the singer. Uh, Subscribe to Esna the Singer. That is my official music channel. So uh, yeah, I, I I do have stuff in the making, and and you know I've kind of stopped doing music for a little bit because I got in a car accident last year, right after releasing an album, 
and uh, I was, you know, hospitalized for like a week and out of, I was out of commission for like four months and I just felt like, what am I doing? I tried so hard on my own because I was out of my company on my own to like ask for all these favors, which I'm so thankful for, you know, finding people to invest in the album and feature on the album, you know, produce the album, record the album, shoot music videos for, and then I released it. And two weeks later I got hit by a car and broke my collarbone. You know, I hit my face. So I had a concussion and like my face was all swollen and, you know, I, I'm still getting physical therapy for it, which is crazy because it's been a year and a half. Uh, so I was kind of in this rut where I didn't want to do music anymore. Uh, but thankfully, I was able to perform at Madison Square Garden in the same year. So it was, 2019 was fucking crazy. And then this year, you know, I got to start this podcast with my amazing co-producer, Bobby over here. Show your face for everybody. This big phony over here, look. This big phony. Hi! <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just, I, I'm constantly reminded of like this crazy support system that I have that I am so lucky to have. And so, yeah, I, I, I hope to do more music. And if you guys liked it, I know it was kind of shitty because I was crying and like, I still have phlegm in my throat. And so every time I didn't sing, I would try to swallow it <laughs> and like get rid of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so more music from Esna. Subscribe to Esna the, the Singer. Follow me on Instagram at Esna. To subscribe to this channel as another person. Follow me on all of my podcast platforms on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcast. And thank you so much for watching and being not so classy with Esna. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>